Facebook or online somewhere, we're glad that you're with us as well. Happy Mother's Day to all you mothers out there. Let's, uh, let's stand and sing, because today we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit and His guidance. So I just want to talk about the holiness of the Lord. Uh, let's sing this song together. And reset things here. All right, I think I'm ready to go now. Everything working? All right. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> All right, this time is for real. This time with feeling. We stand and lift up our hands, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. We bow down and worship Him now, how great, how awesome is He, and together we We stand and lift up. We stand and lift up our hands. That's right. For the Lord of the Lord is our strength. Oh, we bow down, we bow down, we bow down and worship Him now. How great, how awesome is He. Together we sing. Everyone 
Isaiah 6 tells us that all around the throne, the angels are singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is filled with his glory. So it's, it's great to gather and join in with heaven's song this morning. We're so glad that you're here. And if you're new to First Baptist Church, we're especially glad that you're here. We'd love to get to know you. One of the ways that we do that is through the guest card that's right there in front of you. If you could take one of these out and fill it out for us. Then after our gathering, if you go to the Welcome Center, which is to the left, you can drop this off there, and we have a small gift for you coming and being a part of our gathering this morning. Uh, we want to continue to worship together. Let's just take a moment to pray and uh, ask God to meet with us and prepare our hearts to sing to Him. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your goodness to us. And Lord, just as we have sung, uh, you are holy, you are other, you are not like us. But God, we're so grateful that you became like us and took our place and died for us and rose again. So Father, we celebrate that this morning. We thank you for it all in Jesus' good name. Amen. Please stand with us and let's sing Holy Spirit.
before you this morning, just all inviting your Holy Spirit to be here today, Lord. Rain down upon us, fill us with your Holy Spirit, and give us ears that we may hear from you today, Lord. Lord, so much things going on around us tend to block out your voice, but Lord, we don't want to miss your voice today. So Holy Spirit, we ask you just to open our hearts, open our ears Open our minds to hear from you, Lord, today. I pray for Dr. Cox as he comes and brings the message. May you speak through him. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that as we come face to face to you today, that we'll learn something new about ourselves, something new about you that makes us different people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Mother. There we go. Sorry, my fault. Grateful to have had a Christian mother, and uh, I believe that one of the great influences for the kingdom is a Christian mom who prays for her kids and lives for her kids, uh, Jesus before them. And so, happy Mother's Day to you, and uh, grateful to each of you uh, who serve the Lord. I've been sharing a series of sermons about uh, good decisions, uh, about I believe that God wants to help you make good decisions. And I think there are three ways that God wants to be in your life to help you make good decisions. I've described this as a, sort of a three-layer cake. Let's see what kind of cake we've got today. Ah, strawberry today. Strawberries are coming in. Uh, good for Mother's Day. So here's a slice of strawberry cake. There are three ways that God wants to help you make decisions, good decisions. First of all, number one, the bottom layer of the cake is that God has given us the Bible. That's foundational. Everything else rests on that, that most important bottom layer of the cake. And God has given us the Bible to help us make good decisions. So as you face decisions in life, would you ask the question, what does the Bible say about that? Is there any direction, whether it's direct commands or indirect principles, that the Bible has? And let us follow what the Bible says as we make decisions. Now, what about those areas where the Bible doesn't speak? Uh, specific areas in our lives, modern uh, circumstances? Well, God has a second way that he helps us make good decisions. This is the second layer of the cake, and that is God wants to give you wisdom. The Bible says if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all freely, generously. We learned last week that if you'll fear the Lord, which is the foundation of wisdom, if you'll have a teachable spirit, and if you'll shun evil, then God will grant to you and can build into you wisdom so that you have some discernment and that you have some discretion and you can judge what is right and wrong and fair and good. And within you then is the capacity. So first he's given us the Bible, then he's given within us the capacity to make good decisions by giving wisdom. Today I want to talk to you about a third layer of the cake, the top layer of the cake, and that is that God gives us the Holy Spirit to guide us. Now, 
I would say to you that most Christian teachers and groups would agree with what I've said about these first two layers, that God's given us the Bible and God's given us wisdom. But there's wide disagreement on this top layer of how God might guide us directly. Does God speak to individual believers directly? Does he help you with specific decisions about a job to take or where you should live or what kind of career you should go into or some specific role of serving him in the church does God speak directly to people today well there are some who make much of this top layer of the cake our charismatic friends will often say God told me to do something uh, for example, if you watch on television the preaching of Joyce Meyer, you may hear in one of her sermons several times in one sermon, the Lord told me to do this, the Lord told me that, the Lord said to me. And so some make a lot of this top layer of the cake, I'm saying, and speak very often of that. The danger with that is when you tell the, that the Lord told me to do something, you have to be very careful that you don't baptize your own wishes and desires and attribute them to the Lord to give them more authority. You see? For example, in 1987, Oral Roberts um, said that the Lord told him that if he didn't raise $8 million by a certain date for a building project that he was doing, that God was going to kill him. He was going to take him home. Now, did, did the Lord really say that to him? Or was that just his way of, uh, of making that point? I don't know. It's hard to know when somebody says the Lord told me that, right? But that, there's a danger there that when you say the Lord told me, you want to be really sure that the Lord really told you that, right? So there's the other extreme, and there are some people then who don't believe there's any third layer to the cake. Gary Friesen, F-R-I-E-S-E-N, wrote a book uh, in 1980, sold a quarter million copies, been influential in this generation of evangelicals for the last 40 years. And Gary Friesen in his book, Decision Making in the Will of God, said that God's given us the Bible, God's given us wisdom, and that's all. He said God does not speak to people today through the Holy Spirit. And he acknowledges there's some examples of that in Scripture, but says that that was before the Bible came. Now that the Bible, the Holy Spirit has spoken completely through the Bible, that we don't need that kind of direct, the Lord spoke to me and God doesn't speak that way anymore. And so I'm saying to you, there's that other extreme that say, there's, there's two layers to the cake, but there's not a third layer to the cake. John MacArthur, pastor of Grace Community Church in California, would come close to that. John MacArthur has said, whenever somebody says to me, the Lord said to me, I stop listening right then. Because although he certainly believes in the Holy Spirit, does not believe in that personal speaking of the Holy Spirit to give guidance. Well, so they're both extremes. And uh, I'm share with you what I believe. I, I, I believe that both extremes can be wrong. So I probably made everybody mad now. Made all of my Joyce Meyer fans and all of my John MacArthur fans mad now, I know. But, uh, but I believe there is a danger in overusing that and saying God's told me when it's really my own desires and wishes that I'm sort of baptizing. But I do believe that God speaks and he leads through the Holy Spirit. I believe there's a third layer to the cake. What do you think? I've tried to sort of whet your appetite for what the Word of God, the Bible says. So now let's look at the Bible and see what the Bible says about this subject. And you can decide what you believe that God, how God helps us make good decisions in this way. And I want to share with you that the Bible tells us, as we would all agree, as all believers would believe, that God has given the Holy Spirit. Just as we see that God, in His goodness, has given us the Bible, and God gives wisdom to those who ask, let me share with you in Luke eleven thirteen, where it says, Jesus said, If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So just as you can ask for wisdom, you can ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit. How does that come into your life? Let me share with you another thing that Jesus said in John 7, 38-39. Whoever believes in me, Jesus said, as Scripture has said, 
Rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not been glorified. So Jesus, the incarnate Son of God here on earth, and when he ascended into heaven before he left, he said, I'm going to send another counselor like me. He ascended into heaven and at Pentecost the Holy Spirit came down. So since that coming of the Holy Spirit, anyone who believes in Jesus receives the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's what he says here. Those who believe in him were later to receive. And so if you'll put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you believe he's God's son who died and rose again, and you'll accept him as your Savior and declare him your Lord, then he'll give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. The third person, the Trinity, will come into your life and reside in your body. And part of his ministry there is to lead you, to give you guidance. Let me show you that in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, this ministry of leadership. Those who are led by the Spirit are children of God. So there's a leadership of the Holy Spirit for the children of God. Now, if you're not yet a believer, the Holy Spirit works in your life too. I won't take time to look at John 16, where it says that the Spirit convicts the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. So if you're not a Holy Spirit, you're not a Christian yet, He's trying to lead you too. But he's trying to lead you to Christ and to faith in him. And he's working in your life to draw you to Christ. But when you become a believer and believe in him, he actually takes up residence in your life. And those who are children of God are led by the Spirit. We see it again in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. How do you make good decisions about some moral choices that you need to make? Well, we've seen you have the Bible. We've seen that you have wisdom. And now Paul is saying that if you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Same chapter, verse 18. Galatians 5.18, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Same chapter, verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Do you see that there is there the activity of the Spirit in your life to lead you and guide you if you'll keep in step with Him? Well, how do we do that? How do we receive the guidance of the Spirit for decisions that we need to make? I want to use the analogy of a transmitter and a receiver. We know about transmitters and receivers. You've uh, got a remote on your television. And there, when you push that button on your remote, that's a transmitter. And there's a receiver on your TV, and it changes the channel. It's an amazing thing. When I was a kid, if you wanted to change the channel, you got up off the couch. You walked over to the TV. You went chunk, 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 and you changed the channel. And now, with transmitters and receivers, you don't have to do that. You just sit on the couch and push a button. Uh, when I go home a little bit later today, I get near my house and I'll reach up in my truck on the visor and I will push a button and my garage door will just open up before I get there. It's an amazing thing to me. Why does it do that? Because that little box on my visor is a transmitter and on that garage door opener is a receiver and so it's sending that guidance to it to tell it, he's coming, it's time to open the door and sure enough, it receives that information and it opens opens that door. It's an amazing thing. In the same way, you have within you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, a transmitter. The Holy Spirit is the transmitter who's giving you signals, who's sending you that guidance. Now, what's the receiver then? How do you receive the Holy Spirit? The Bible, the, the guidance of the Holy Spirit. The Bible uses four words to describe your inner person that is the receiver of the Holy Spirit. Now, these are not four totally separate compartments of you. They overlap, but they emphasize different aspects of your inner being in which you receive the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Number one, let's look at them. Number one is your heart. The receiver of the Holy Spirit's transmission is, first of all, your heart. I'm going to show you four verses in Galatians, one for each of these four, just to get the idea that these are the receivers of the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 5.5, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So you see there the interaction between the Holy Spirit and your heart. Your heart 
is especially emphasizes your deep beliefs and your will and your emotions. So in your deep beliefs and your will and your emotions, the, the Holy Spirit speaks and guides. The second receptor of the Holy Spirit is your mind. Now in Romans 8, verse 5 and 6, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the, what the flesh desires, but those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life. And, of course, your mind particularly refers to your thoughts and your will. And so in your thinking, the Holy Spirit can speak in your thinking. And if you'll set your mind in that direction, then you can more uh, readily receive the leadership of the Holy Spirit because the mind set on what the Spirit desires is the one that receives that direction. A third way of describing the inner person who's the receiver of the Holy Spirit, your heart, your mind, third, your spirit. You have a human spirit in relation to the Holy Spirit. Your human spirit, of course, especially represents your spiritual desires. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 16, the Spirit, that's the capital S, Holy Spirit, testifies with our spirit, little s, that we are God's children. So the Holy Spirit, the transmitter, testifies with your spirit, your, your human spirit, that we are God's children. Fourth, the fourth way of describing this receptor of the Holy Spirit, and maybe most important for our discussion of how to make good decisions, is your conscience. And your conscience, of course, specifically refers to your capacity to discern right from wrong in moral decisions. And the Holy Spirit works through, as He works through your heart and your mind and your spirit, the Holy Spirit works through into your conscience to give you that moral kind of guidance. Romans 9.1 is just another place that relates to, I speak the truth in Christ, I am not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. You see the interaction there? So, how do you experience the Holy Spirit? Well, then you want to be on the same channel that the Spirit's on. You want to have your mind set on the things of the Spirit. You want to have your heart directed to God. You, you want to have your spirit in tune with His Spirit. And maybe most importantly, if you think about this, you want to, you want to, you want a clear conscience. You want a clear, clear conscience. Because that's how the Holy Spirit can speak to you. Now, there can be trouble in that transmission. Just like we got right here, I've got on my belt a transmitter. And it's transmitting a signal up to the receiver up there at the soundboard. And um, so that's what's happening. Now, there could be something wrong with the receiver up there. Could be the transmitter, but in our analogy here, there's no problem with the transmitter. The Holy Spirit, I'm going to be the Holy Spirit in this. He's going to be you. There's no problem with the Holy Spirit, you know. He, he's transmitting, but the problem may be in your conscience that you're not receiving. So, Jared, let's try experiment here. I want you to mute me for about five seconds while I'm talking. I'm going to keep talking and just... In the next few seconds, there we go. Do you hear that? If you were listening online, it's not your problem. We just muted it for a few moments there. So I wanted to show you there can be a problem with the receiver. So with your conscience, let me show you some verses here that shows that may be why you're not experiencing God's guidance like you want to. I want to share with you in Titus chapter 1, verse 15. To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and consciences are corrupted. There he uses two of our four words in that one verse for the receptor of the Holy Spirit. And he says that your mind and your conscience can be corrupted. So maybe you're making some bad decisions in your life and you wonder, why am I making such bad decisions even though you're a believer in Jesus Christ? But maybe there's sin in your life 
and you've said no, you've spurned a good conscience. You don't have a good, clear conscience. And your conscience is somewhat corrupted. And your mind, because of some of the things you've been putting into your mind, your mind is somewhat corrupted. And you're not going to experience the guidance of the Holy Spirit as you'd like to, even though He lives within you, because your receptor is impaired. Your mind is corrupted and your conscience is corrupted. And you're going to mess up in life. And maybe that's where you've been. And today, if you'll repent and let God clean your conscience and clear your conscience again, and you'll turn from the sin that's there and you'll quit saying no to Him, then your conscience could be repaired and you could receive that strong signal of His leadership and you could make better decisions in your life. Let me show you another verse. could be even worse. 1 Timothy 4.2, such teaching comes through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. If you touch a hot iron, it can destroy the nerve endings on your, on your fingers so that you don't feel anything for a while. And maybe you're not feeling the leadership of the Holy Spirit because you've said no to God so much, you've seared your conscience. And God's been trying to lead you into righteousness, been trying to lead you into a better path, been trying to lead you into church and to service to Him. No, 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 no. And you've just said no to the, to the leadership of the Holy Spirit so much that you've seared, you've burnt. Sort of like if you callous your hand, you know, you work and you, you callous your hand and, and, and it loses that feeling. Then you've calloused or seared or dulled your conscience. Would you repent of that sin? Would you quit saying no to God? Say yes to Him that you could experience that leadership of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me say to you, this top layer of the cake is not infallible. The Holy Spirit's infallible, but remember we've seen there's a transmission process. The only layer of this cake that's infallible is the bottom one, the Bible. The Bible's infallible. Rightly interpreted, it's never going to lead you astray. I have wisdom, but I don't, I'm not perfect, and I could still make some bad decisions. And this top layer, it's not infallible. I want to show it to you in Scripture, that even what you feel in your conscience, so you want to have some humility and some caution and some reservation. That's why I'm cautious to really ever say, the Lord told me to do this. I, I, I want to say, the Lord, I believe the Lord's leading me to this. I believe the Holy Spirit's guiding me into this. I'm a little conscious. Here's... Why? 1 Corinthians 4, 4 through 5. My conscience is clear, Paul says, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and expose the motives of the heart. And so I believe that God, through my conscience, gives me guidance, but I'm still going to be humble and I'm still going to be cautious and check everything that I believe the Lord's saying by the Bible, the infallible layer of the cake. Because even if my conscience is clear, I'm not perfect. I'm not a perfect receptor. And I'm going to wait until the Lord comes and He can judge everything. But with that word of caution, I believe that God does guide by the Holy Spirit. Let me show you some examples of this in Scripture. In Acts chapter 8, verse 29, Philip who was a deacon in the church, and the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. There's, I believe that the Holy Spirit can lead you to talk to somebody about Jesus. Have you been open to, any, to the Holy Spirit leading you? Has that ever happened in your life? Has it ever happened in your life what happened to Philip? That the Spirit said, I want to use you in this situation. You need to go offer to pray for that person down the hall in the office near you. You need to ask if there's a just listen to somebody. You need to share Jesus. I believe the Holy Spirit still does this. I've experienced it in my life, a burden in my life, a, not an audible voice, but a leadership of the Holy Spirit. I have an assignment for you. I believe God has assignments for you. Would you, would you get your receptors in tune with Him, your mind and your conscience and your spirit and your heart, so that you can discover the assignments God has for you? Just a couple of chapters later in Acts, we see it again. Peter, God had given Peter a vision of clean and unclean, clean, uh, unclean things. And God said, don't call anything I've made unclean. And while Peter, Acts chapter 10, verse 19, while Peter was still thinking about this, the Spirit said to him, three men are looking for you. Get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them. 
for I have sent them. So the Spirit sent these people to Peter. The, the, the object of this was to go see Cornelius, who was searching for God and one of the first Gentile converts. And Peter, a Jew, was reluctant to do that. And the Spirit is working in his life. And the Spirit said to him, there are three men looking for you. I've sent them. You go with them. And God had an assignment for, for Peter and through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. He guided it. Would you, would you be open in your life that you can make better decisions to the leadership of the Holy Spirit in the assignments you have for you? Now, Gary Friesen, who wrote that book on decision-making and the, the will of God, he had readily acknowledges these two examples I've just said, but he would say to him, those were exceptions. Like the burning bush. Have you ever seen a burning bush? I've never seen a burning bush. He would say the burning bush is true, but that's an exception. And he would say these are rare instances that only happen to Peter and to Paul, but they're not going to happen to you. I don't believe that. Let me show you. In not the receiver. Okay, I'm good. I'm good. We're going here. So thank you, though. Thanks for having my back. So in Luke 2.27, there was this old guy named Simeon. And when Mary and Joseph brought baby Jesus to the temple, it says in Luke 20, 27, moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. The Spirit moved him to go to a specific location, and there he would encounter the Messiah child. And so here's just an ordinary old guy. He's not Peter or Paul or one of the apostles or central to the mission. He's just an old guy there who's seeking the Lord. And God speaks through him. I believe for ordinary believers, God gives the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Would you look for that, listen for that in your life? Be humble. Don't overstate and give God things when you just want to do stuff. But seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit. He wants to help you make good decisions. Now, I want to share with you one more way it gets to you. We've talked about a transmitter and a receiver. The Holy Spirit's the transmitter, and the inner parts of your life are the receiver. There's another way that God does it. Let me compare this to DirecTV. Anybody have DirecTV or, or Dish Network? And as I understand those, that signal doesn't come directly to you. As I understand it, there's an, a, a satellite dish somewhere, or a transmitter, and it sends it up to a satellite way up in outer space. And then you've got that little dish in your yard or on the corner of your house, and, and you've got to point it that direction. Do you remember when those things used to be 10 feet wide? I remember my neighbor got one of those, he brought it on a trailer. Man, it looked like a moon thing coming in here, 10 feet wide. Now they're little, but it's still, so it's an indirect route that that's taking, Right? It's not coming directly to you because of the curvature of the earth and the things that can't get to you. So it's a clearer channel to go up and then down to your house. So that, here's how God does that. The Holy Spirit sometimes takes another route to guide us. He speaks through the church, through the church. Let me show it to you in Acts chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, and while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Why didn't he just speak directly to the heart and mind and conscience of Barnabas and Saul? Say, hey, Barney, hey, Saul, I got a job for you to do. He didn't do that. He went up to the satellite dish and down to them. Why? I don't know. Was it maybe they were not as in tune as others in the church? Or what I think more likely is the Holy Spirit, we believe, can speak even clearer in the body where two or three are gathered, he said, there am I. So it's more, it's, it's, it's that power, that aggregate power. That's why we believe in, con in congregational government. We, why don't y'all just make me a dictator? It would be a whole lot simpler. I could do things here at this church. Just make me a dictator of the church. But we don't do that because we believe the Holy Spirit can speak even better through the whole congregation. So we're going to vote on revised bylaws at the end of this service. That's just one small example of how we believe that God speaks through the gathered congregation. And so in this instance, what God did, he spoke to the other people of the church and said, I want you to set apart Saul and Barnabas for a mission trip that I'm going to send them on. 
So would you not only listen for the Holy Spirit in your heart, mind, and spirit, but would you listen to the Holy Spirit speaking through another believer, a godly, wise person in the church, or the corporate body of the church? I want to speak to some of you in that way. God may be calling some of you young people, some of you high school graduates in a few weeks, some of you college students, some of you young adults, or some of you other people, that God is calling you to ministry. We need people to hear the call of the Holy Spirit to ministry. And Richard Ross, who has worked in student ministry for 50 years in Southern Baptist, sort of the guru of that, has said there is a shortage of student ministers like we have never seen before. God calls to but that's where there's a real shortage right now. Is it because God's not calling enough student ministers? I think probably not. Is it because enough of us are not hearing and responding to the call of God? So God might be calling you to give your life in that way, to go to seminary, to serve him in the church, start volunteering so you'll be ready to do that. God calls people to ministry. Would you hear this call right now coming through the church, bouncing off the satellite to your heart that God may be calling you to be a missionary or a pastor or a worship pastor or a student pastor, or he may be calling you to teach a Sunday school class, a connection group or to serve him in Oakley or be the Jesus tenor. God calls sometimes through the voice of the church or of a believer within the church to you. That's what we see there. God is so good. He wants to help you make good decisions. So he's given you a three-layer cake. He's given to us, number one, the Bible. Would you soak in this book? Would you absorb this book through preaching, teaching, and daily study that you could make right decisions? God will bless you if you'll do that. Second, would you become wise and discerning? If you'll fear the Lord, if you'll shun evil, if you'll be teachable, if you'll ask God, he'll build into you discernment that you can make good decisions about your money, about your relationships, about your work, about what comes out of your mouth. But there is also that direct guidance of the Holy Spirit that God has placed him within you. And if your heart and conscience will be clear, then you can receive direct guidance. He may have assignments for you, a mission for you. Would you be open to what God is saying? Would you say, God, I want to be in tune. I want my mind set on the things of the Spirit that I can hear what you have to say to me. Let's pray about that right now. Oh, Holy Spirit, we are so grateful that you're in those, the lives of those of us who are believers. And Lord, maybe you want to say something right now. This is a good time for us to just pause for a second on Sunday morning and hear your voice. We don't want to make up anything. We don't want to say something that we think and attribute it to you. But humbly, we really want to ask, are you leading us in any way about some big decisions we're making? We want to receive your guidance, Holy Spirit, because we believe it's better than our own thoughts and imaginations. Oh God, we want to be in your will. Maybe you're calling out some to ministry, and I pray that through the church, speaking to them right now, there would be a stirring in the hearts of some people who'd say, I will consider surrendering my life. If this is God's will for me, or if I know it is, I'll say yes right now, today, I'll say yes. Lord, I also want to pray if there's some who have not yet believed in you and received the gift of the Spirit here, that you are working in their lives, you work in the world to convict of sin and righteousness and judgment. So even in this time, would you convince them that they're loved? Maybe people have told them they're not loved, that they're not worthy. Would you convince them that they're made in the image of God, made for a relationship with you, that they are loved? Would you draw them to you? Would you make them feel really bad about their sin? If, make them feel really bad about their sin so that they will turn from it and feel good about forgiveness. And I pray even now you draw someone to you. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Would you stand together? We're going to sing a song of invitation in a moment. If God's speaking to you in any way, you can come share that. Maybe God's calling you to ministry. Come and share that. If you're ready for us, to, we'll just pray with you privately. If you're not completely sure, if you're ready to share that, we'll share that with the church and let them pray with you. Same thing about salvation. If God's calling you to salvation, you can be baptized in the next few weeks. Would you come right now? Just respond to his spirit. Maybe God's speaking to you about joining the church or about some other assignment. Maybe you just want to pray further. I want my mind to be set on the Spirit. Somebody be glad to pray with you.
As God speaks to you, would you come? Please be seated for just a moment, if you will. And uh, before we go today, we need to do a ballot vote on our revised bylaws. In your worship bulletin today is a ballot. Uh, if, you would, if you're a member of First Baptist Church, we ask you to participate. If you'd take that out, and you can mark that yes or no. If you didn't get a ballot filled out, out of your uh, bulletin, there are ushers that have some at the back. Raise your hand, and they'll bring you a ballot to you if you need a ballot. 
And so uh, while I'm talking, whenever you're ready to do that, you mark yes or no, fold it from top to bottom once, halfway over, then pass it to one of these aisles. Um, our revised bylaws presented in our member meeting on April the 10th, that was our discussion meeting by our present bylaws. Uh, they had to wait four weeks after that discussion meeting for a vote, have to have a 20% of our resident membership quorum, have to have a two-thirds majority. There can be no further amendment. That's all the rules that we had to do. That's why we're doing it like we are. And so we've been working on this for two years, and if you've been a part of that process, you, you understand that. And we are grateful to be coming to this point for a final yes or no vote. So when you've got those done, pass them to those aisles, and uh, then our ushers will come by and collect them. And I'm going to keep talking while they're doing that. So if you need a ballot or you've got them to pass, just keep waving them and they'll get to you. They're doing that in the balcony and down here. And we want to thank you for being here today. We want to encourage you to stay for a connection group. That's our small groups, our Sunday school. They meet right now. If you have not been before, if you'll go to the Welcome Center, have a list of all the groups. You can pick out your age group or where you want to go. A, a greeter will escort you there. That's the way to get connected in our church. We want everybody to be in a connection group. That's how we do ministry. That's how you make a connection to God, to the Bible, to one another, and to ministry through our connection groups. If you're here with mom or something and can't stay today, I encourage you next Sunday to come to worship and then stay for a connection group and be a part of that. We want to uh, ask, invite you to, to worship as you go by giving. Our offering is collected now by our deposit boxes, offering boxes on the back wall by the double doors as you go out. That is an act of worship as meaningful as your presence, your singing, you're listening to the word, and now you're giving. We are grateful to your giving to God that funds our church, but more than that, it is an act of worship to say, God, you've given me everything that, that I have. I give at least a tenth back to you to say thank you. I know where it came from, and I'm grateful in worshiping you. Thank you for sharing in that act of worship. Got them all collected? We good, guys? Thank you for doing that. Thank you for participating in that. Tim's going to come and close us out here uh, for service today. I've got two quick announcements before I close this in prayer. If you've got a senior in high school, I've been trying to get their pictures, their videos, so parents, please help them do that timely. Uh, those, uh, I need to get those in as quickly as possible so we can start making that video. Um, so please help in, in accomplishing that goal for us. And also, it's now the two-week time frame till, those, till the money is due for the camp and the middle, uh, mission trip coming up this summer for middle school and high school students. So two weeks away. I'm just reminding you each week, now we're two weeks away. You can always pay early. I don't think anybody ever penalizes you for paying early. Please don't be late. We've got to pay that money on that, on that following Monday. All right, let me close this out in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you uh, for your scriptures. We thank you for a faithful pastor that preaches them to us. We thank, we thank you for the Holy Spirit living inside of us that can guide us and speak to us and change our hearts and our minds uh, through our spirit and through our conscience. So Father, we just thank you that you love us so much and care about us so deeply to place uh, God the Spirit inside of us. Father, we thank you. We pray that this week that we live uh, being guided and directed by your spirit to impact the world around us. Lord, it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. One.